Um, I want to thank you all for coming out to hear the word this morning. I know that there are a lot of things that you can be doing this morning, but instead you came out and you chose to hear the word of God. You know, I often say how important it is to study the word. You know, and the reason why I say that is because by studying the word, we develop a relationship with God. All right. And we grow in our Christian faith. You know, you, you'll hear me sometimes say that, you know, how it's good to study the word because we know how to combat the enemy. And, and we know that when um, someone tries to come up against us and try to prove um, the Bible wrong or try to prove God wrong, all right, we, um, we know that we have the Bible and we know the Bible, so we know how to um, counter their argument, all right? But what's most important all right, as important as that is, what's most important is that the Bible helps us grow in our Christian faith. All right, because we can use the Bible all we want to combat the enemy, to combat Satan. All right, but it's pointless if we're not even growing in our own Christian faith. All right, and if we don't, and if we're not having our own relationship with God. All right, because overall, the most important thing in being a Christian isn't about the relationship you have with others. It's about the relationship you have with God. It's about your personal relationship with Jesus Christ. All right. And the Bible helps you with that. You know, and we learn the truth from the Bible, all right? In a world that's full of lies, in a world that's constantly telling us one thing and then another part is telling us another and then another part is telling us another, it can be very confusing sometimes, all right? One part sounds like they're telling the truth and then this other part sounds like they're telling the truth and you just don't know because, you know, it's just so confusing. But one source that we will always have that we know to be true without a shadow of a doubt is the Bible. Okay? The Bible never leads us wrong. All right. It may be hard to understand sometimes that's true. But everything in the Bible is 100% truth. All right. It helps us to stand firm in our Christian faith.
All right. You know, that's funny. I remember a long time ago, and I know I said this before, but I like telling this story. A long time ago, um, I once heard this before. I once heard someone tell me before that the Bible stands for your basic instructions before leaving earth. And it's funny because I th I actually thought that that's what it actually stood for. That that's why they actually called it the Bible. I thought that for so long. And it wasn't until I was, I don't know, probably about 15 years old that I actually learned that, you know, hey, you know, the Bible is not really an acronym. It doesn't really stand for your basic instructions before leaving earth. It's actually a Greek word. All right. That actually comes from a Greek word. You know, I heard that and I'm like, you know, kind of upset me because I kind of I kind of liked basic instructions before leaving Earth better, you know. Because it was more clever and it made more sense. <laughs> but anyways, you know, whoever came up with that, you know, I think that that was kind of genius, you know, but. It's so important that we read our Bible, you know, and it's very beneficial to us. And not only that, you know, God sees us reading his word and he, he loves that. God loves it when his people are reading his word. Because that shows that we're taking an initiative and that we are trying to get closer to him. And that we want to get closer to him. All right. And as I said, some of the things in the Bible may be a bit harder to understand than others. Okay. But see, God sees that you are trying. All right. And when he sees you trying, he will show you favor and he will help you to understand his word. All right. He will show you favor and he will help you to understand his word. Because God wants you to get to know him. All right. God already knows us. God knows everything about us. He knows how many pores are on our skin, how many hairs are on our head. All right. What we will do in our lifetime. He knows everything about us, but he wants us to get to know him. He wants us to have that relationship with him. And we do that by reading his word. Yes, we do it by prayer also, but we learn about God and we learn about prayer through the Bible. All right. Now, I don't want to. Um, this isn't what I really want to talk about today. All right. Um, the last subject that I talked about on this podcast was the book of Philemon, all right? I read to you from the book of Philemon, and we discussed what the book of Philemon was about and who it was about, and, you know, we talked all about it, and 
and what it was about and what it was about. So there are um a few books in the Bible that I really want to talk about. And the reason why I want to talk to you about these certain books is because these are the more lesser known books. The books that are often skipped over or that people don't see it as a necessity to read or what have you. And they're very short books and they're often looked over or skipped over in the Bible. And I want to talk to you about a few books and what they're about. All right. And the importance of it. All right. Because it, it kind of breaks my heart a little bit that, you know, people could just so willingly skip over these books like like they're not important, like they're irrelevant. All right. Like they'll read they'll read um through a Bible you know, they'll read this book, that book, this book, that book, this book, and then they come to this book and then they'll just skip over it and then they'll just continue reading or they'll just blow right through that book like it's nothing and then they'll just continue reading on to the next book and the next book and the next book. All right. And they do this as though, you know, these these books aren't important. And yes, although they might be short, that does not make them any less important. All right? That's why I was talking about the book of Philemon, and that is why today I want to discuss the book of Titus. All right? Who was Titus in what was the book of Titus about? Again, and um, I said from last from the last episode, um, you know, we have Paul. We know about Paul when he writes to um the Corinthians. Um, the Ephesians, the Philippians, the Romans, the Colossians, the, Thess the Thessalonians, um, the Galatians, and all of these books, all right, and all of these people. But to the average reader or to some people who read the Bible, it can seem a bit impersonal at times. And what I mean by that, what I mean by that is, all right, again, you have these books, the Romans, the Philippians, Corinthians, Ephesians, um, Thessalonians, not in that order, by the way. Um, that is Paul talking to the church as a whole. All right. He's not talking to one specific person. He's talking to the church as a whole. Okay. And I'm not taking anything away from those books. Okay. Please. I'm not. 
But what I'm saying is that because they're because Paul is talking to um a group of people as a whole, it can seem a bit impersonal. Whereas you have, you know, certain books like Philemon, you know, where he was where it was just focused on three people. All right. Or you have what I want to talk to you today about the book of Titus. All right. Where it's just focused on one person. All right. It helps us to focus more on what's going on. All right. And we get kind of a sharper image of what it's teaching us. Okay. So I am going to read the book of Titus. All right. It's not that long. All right. It is a little bit longer than the book of Philemon, just a little bit, but it's not that long at all. It is um, three chapters. All right. So um, turn with me to the book of Titus. Um, for those of you who don't know, it is right after Second Timothy and right before the book of Philemon. All right. Right after Second Timothy and right before the book of Philemon. All right. For some, it might be a hard book to find because, as I said, this is one of the more lesser known books. All right. But it is right after the book of Second Timothy, okay, and right before the book of Philemon. All right. I am going to start reading um, the epistle of Paul to the apostle to Titus. Chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, a bondservant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect in the acknowledgement of the truth, which accords with godliness in hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised before time began, but has in due time manifested his word through preaching, which was committed to me according to the commandment of God, our Savior. To Titus, a true son in our common faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. For this reason, I left you in Crete, that you should set in order the things that are lacking and appoint elders in every city as I commanded you. If a man is blameless, the husband of one wife Having faithful children not accused of dissip dissipation or insubordination. For a bishop must be blameless as a steward of God. Not self-willed, not quick-tempered, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but hospitable, 
a lover of what is good, sober-minded, just, holy, self-controlled, holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and convict those who contradict. For there are many insubordinate, both idle talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision, whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole households, teaching things which they ought not. For the sake of dishonest gain, one of them, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. This testimony is true. Therefore, rebuke them sharply, that they may be sound in the faith, not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men who turn from the truth. To the pure, all things are pure. But to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure, but even their mind and conscience are defiled. They profess to know God, but in works they deny him, being abominable, disobedient, and disqualified for every good work. Now I'm going to pause right there for a moment. All right. So far, we read chapter one. All right. So what is going on? What is going on right now? First of all, all right, who is Titus? Who is this guy Titus? All right. There are a lot of characters in the Bible. A lot of characters in the Bible. Okay. Some are very famous. Some are kind of famous. Some, we've heard their names before, but we don't know too much about, and some we just don't even know. So who is this guy, Titus? Well, Titus chapter 1, verse 4, it describes Titus as a true son in our common faith. All right, so right there, we know that um, Titus is a Christian, okay? He shares the same faith as Christians, all right? He is a true believer in Christ, all right? Now, go on to verse 5 for a second. Go back to verse 5 for a second. Paul writes, For this reason I left you in Crete, that you should set in order the things that are lacking and appoint elders in every city as I commanded you. All right, so we know that Titus is a true son in our common faith, all right? Titus, he was a Christian just like me and just like any other Christian today, okay? He's a true believer in Christ, all right? We also know that as a church leader, Titus, he was stationed in Crete, okay? And I want to use the term stationed in Crete, all right, because that's where his obligations were to the church, 
All right. And that's where his duties were to the church. All right. His job was to set order and structure in the church and fix what needed to be fixed in the church culture. All right. In other words, he was to set a good structural foundation of the church being established in Crete. All right. And for those who don't know, Crete is the largest of the Greek islands. All right. Crete is the largest of the Greek islands. Okay. You have to understand that at the time. All right. This was around the time when um, the church was being established. All right. We have guys like um, Paul, John, Peter, Timothy, Titus, Mark, all of these guys. All right. They are making it their business in the name of Christ Jesus to set up churches and they are setting them up fast. OK, they're setting them up all over the place in Rome, in Galatia, in Syria, in Greece, in Ephesus, in Crete. OK, and they're stationing people all over these places to to keep charge over these churches, okay? I'm going to give kind of an analogy for a second, all right? Picture you have the military, okay? Now, you have our military go over to these other countries, okay? To this other country. Now, what they do is, once they get to this other country... They set up bases all over this one country, all right? And they set them up real fast, all right? They set up um, military bases all over the country. Why do they, why do, they do that? Why do they do that? Because they want to leave their foothold in that country. They want to make their presence in that country. It's not the only reason, but you get what I'm saying. All right. They want to make their presence known in that country. All right. So you look at how it is back then. You have all of these um, church leaders, all of these Christians setting up churches real fast all over the corners of the earth, okay? And all of these different sections, all right? Now, just like all of these different military bases, there's going to be there's going to need to be one person that's in charge, okay, that runs the entire base. Okay? Same thing how it was back then. In each church, all right, in each in each section where all of these churches are being established, all right, there is going to need that one person who is going to be the overseer, who is going to be running things, making sure that everything is going right so that the church can flourish and it can prosper. 
okay? So that not only will it make its presence known, but that it will grow in the name of Christ Jesus, okay? And it will fulfill its purpose, all right? In comes Titus, all right? Now, we know that um, Paul had met Titus on one of his missionary journeys, okay? So, they were together for a while. So, as they made a stop in Crete, okay, that's eventually where they parted ways. Paul kept going and left Titus in Crete to oversee and manage all the churches in that area, okay? That was his job. That was Titus's job. Now, what he had to do was to set in order um, a good structural foundation because this is the beginning of the church, all right? Which means that it has to start strong. It has to have a good foundation, okay? It cannot have a bad foundation. It cannot have a bad start. It has to start out good. If it has a bad start, it's going to end quickly, all right? So if they want the church to prosper, it has to have a good foundation, okay? So... Titus's job was to set a good structural foundation of the church that is being established in Crete, okay? And what I mean by that is he is setting in order, um, he's putting all the different elders in the church, all right? He's establishing the elders in the church, and he's fixing what needs to be fixed in the church culture, okay? He is um, getting rid of what needs to be getting rid of in the church, and he is putting in place what needs to be put in place in the church, all right? In a word, in a sense, he's kind of rearranging the church, all right? So what's going on in chapter 1? Well, after the introductions, all right, starting at verse 5 through 16, Paul is basically um Paul is basically writing to Titus telling him the type of elders that Paul needs to put in place of the church. The elders meaning um, the leaders in the church, the helpers in the church, okay? He's not telling, he's not telling Titus who to pick per se, but he's saying that when you pick elders to help you lead this church, this is the type of people that they need to be. All right. They need to be blameless. They need to be a husband of one wife. Um, they need to be having faithful children. 
all right, not accused of insubordination, all right? They need to be good stewards of God, um, not self-willed, not quick-tempered, all right, not given to wine, okay, um, the list goes on. And then verses 10 through 16, Paul then goes on to tell Titus what not needs to be the characteristics of the elders, all right, to be even more specific, okay? In other words, he's saying, look, Titus, okay, this is the way how the elders need to behave, okay? Not only that, but you have to make sure that these are the char characteristics that they don't have, okay? In other words, um, and I'm going to read verses 10 through 16 again. For there are many insubordinate, both idle talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision, whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole households, teaching things which they ought not, for the sake of dishonest gain. One of them, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. This testimony is true. Therefore, I rebuke them sharply that they may be sound of faith, not giving heed to Jewish fables, the commandments of men who turn from the truth. To the pure, all things are pure, but to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure, but even their mind and conscience are defiled. They profess to know God, but in works they deny Him, being abominable, abominable, disobedient, and disqualified for every good work. Okay, so Paul is saying, all right, these are the people that you do not want as elders. Okay. Now, I want to go back to verses 12 in the beginning of 13, okay, because I noticed something. All right. Look at verse 12. One of them, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. And then verse 13 says, this testimony is true. Where it says this testimony is true, it's not saying that it's true that Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, and lazy gluttons. It's saying that it's true that one of the prophets actually said that Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, and lazy gluttons, all right? Just want to clarify that because um, I know it can seem um, kind of tricky if you don't read it correctly. It can seem as though, it can seem kind of misleading where it says this testimony is true. All right. It can see it can. I know it can seem like it's um, saying that um, Paul is saying it's true that all Cretans are always liars, evil beasts and lazy gluttons. That's not what it's saying. OK, just want to. All right. Make that clear to some people. All right. But as I was saying, verse 10 through 16. OK, Paul is saying what um, elders in the church should not be like. And, you know, I can't begin to tell you how many churches 
go against what I just read. All right. Obviously, like I said, they must have just skipped over the book of Titus. Okay. Because I have been to more than a few um, churches in my life, Christian churches in my life. All right. And some of the churches that I've been to were good. And some of the churches that I've been to, I've noticed where, all right, um, the pastor, um, and I say the pastor because they're the ones who appoint um, the leaders and the elders, okay? They think that they can just appoint any old person to be a leader in the church, Maybe the pastor might have good intentions. They might say, you know, oh, well, you know, he he got saved and, you know, I'm going to do him a favor, you know, by getting him off the streets and putting him in the church. You know, I'm going to make him a leader of the church. You know, he he's brand new to the Christian faith and I want to put him in the church you know, and give him a job, you know, maybe make him feel useful, you know, that's all well and good, those are good intentions, yes, but that way of thinking has some serious flaws in it, all right, we can't just let any people be leaders in the church, okay, and I mean, I can tell you some stories. In fact, I'll tell you one right now. Um, there was this one church. It was in the news years ago. All right. I'm not going to say what church it is. But um, it's a pretty it was it's a pretty big church. Um, and this is that same type of church that I was telling you about where the pastor just hires any or just picks anybody to be um, the leader in the church, all right? As long as they're a Christian, it doesn't matter, you know? Doesn't matter who they are, you know? As long as they're a Christian, you know, they're appointing the elder as, as an elder in the church. Doesn't look at their background, doesn't look at how they live their life, all right, doesn't interview them. And yes, you should do this if you're going to pick somebody to help you lead the church. The church is a serious, serious place. It is a serious thing, okay? That needs to be taken very seriously, okay? That's that's like um, if you appoint security over a jewelry shop, okay, you're not just going to appoint any old security officer who's wearing a uniform. You're going to want to do an extensive background check. Why? Because they are dealing with, you know, a jewelry store filled with millions of dollars worth of jewelry. That is a serious, serious job. Same situation. All right. You don't just want to do. You don't just want to appoint any person as a church leader, okay? You're going to want to do an interview on these people. But this church, 
all right? It was the type of church that would just pick any old person, you know, um, to be their leaders, to be leaders in the church, rather. And um, in doing so, it turned out that um, one of the leaders ended up getting arrested for um, rape and... Not long after that, there was another leader who had got arrested for, I think, if I'm not mistaken, selling drugs. All right. So you can't have leaders like that in the church. Paul was very specific to Titus, the type of people that the leader needs, that the type of people that the elders need to be. And the type of people that they should not be. Alright. He was very specific. Okay. Now I know I've been talking about chapter 1 for a while. Okay. <laughs> and at this rate I might have to do a part 2 to this. Alright. But that's okay. So I'm going to go on to chapter 2. But as for you, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine. That the older men be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith, in love, in patience. The older women, likewise, that they be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they admonish the young women to love their husbands to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. Likewise, exhort the young men to be sober-minded in all things showing yourself to be a pattern of good works, in doctrine showing integrity, Reverence, incorruptibility, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that one who is an opponent may be ashamed, having nothing evil to say of you. Exhort bond servants to be obedient to their own masters, to be well-pleasing in all things, not answering back, not pilfering, but showing all good fidelity, that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. Speak these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one despise you. Okay, so in chapter one, we learn how... Um, 
Titus is to select the elders and the leaders of the church. Okay. Now we learn how Paul is telling Titus how to lead the congregation of the church. All right. Remember how I told you about um, how Paul is telling Titus how he needs to fix the church culture or the culture in the church? This is what I'm talking about. All right. See. And this is why I have a great deal of respect for some pastors, okay, because of the things that they have to put up with or the things that or the jobs that they have, okay? See, a pastor's job, what this is telling us, all right, um, aside from looking over and managing the elders of the church, all right, it has to lead the congregation and it has and it has to constantly be there for its congregation all right to these mega churches that want to have 5000 people 10000 people in their church all right i got some hard news for you mr mega church but you are going to have to keep in contact and keep in touch with all 5,000 of those people, okay? To the leaders of all of these mega churches, they are going to have to keep in contact with all of these thousands of people. It is their job, okay? That's something that comes with the territory, okay? They are to lead their congregation. And if they see that somebody in their congregation is acting up or messing up, all right, then I know a lot of people, they might just say, oh, well, we need to pray for that person. Or, you know, this is... The house of God, the house of God is for everybody, you know, um, this is the church, the church is for everybody, we come here because we want to learn about God, no one is perfect, as I said, the church is a very serious place, it is a very serious thing, it is the house of God, all right? It is the bride of Christ. It is the house of God, okay? It is where we go as Christians to worship Christ Jesus, all right? And in taking this very seriously, there are guidelines and there are rules in a church, okay? We don't just let people do whatever they want, all right? There are guidelines, just like a lot of other places that tell us how we should behave, 
all right? And what certain protocols are, okay? Now, just as much as it is the job of the pastor to take care and be there for the congregation and to help the congregation, it is also the pastor's job to let the congregation know when they are acting up and to correct them and to say, look, Mr. Such and Such, you're doing this and all right, you're hurting the church or listen, Mr. Such and Such, you're doing this and that's not right. That's not how a Christian should behave. And what you need to be doing is this. Okay? Now, naturally, all right, you do it with love. There are certain ways to go about doing it. All right? You don't embarrass the person. You don't put the person out there or anything like that. You don't um, shame the person in front of everybody. You don't make the person feel like a fool or an idiot, all right? There are certain ways to go about doing that. There are certain ways to go about um, chastising a person, okay? But there are certain... Um, Pro, there are certain ways that that we have to behave in a church, all right? And it is the pastor's job to make sure that we behave that way, all right? It is the pastor's job to make sure that we behave that way, all right? Now, please don't, don't get, don't, don't, take away from what I'm saying to mean that, um, you know, oh, when we go to church, we're supposed to sit up and not say a word. So I don't want people to, you know, get this idea that, you know, when you go to church, you have to sit up straight, hands folded, you know, you can't say a word, you know, and, you have and you have to be all stiff. That's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. Okay. That's not what the church is supposed to be like. That's not how the church is. Okay. What I'm saying is that don't get some kind of misunderstanding that the church is just some, you know, um, liberal place where we get to act how we want to act during service, okay? There are certain ways how we have to behave, okay? And Paul is writing to Titus, and he is writing, and he is telling him that, okay, this is how the congregation should be, all right? Now, this, you have to remember, this is very important at the time, all right? This is very important at the time because the church is 
brand new, okay? Um, it's still establishing, it's still being established, and this is when it's making a name for itself, all right? And when you're establishing something, the beginning is always the most important part, all right? Because you're setting the tone for what is to come. You are building your reputation and you don't want to start out with a bad reputation. So, you know, maybe in today's church or maybe the way how the church is today, it may be a little bit more relaxed. But back then, these rules were very strict rules, all right? And these rules were to be enforced because this church, if this church was going to make a name for itself, if this church was going to get a good reputation, this is how it had to be, all right? If this church was going to represent Christ the way how Christ wanted it to represent him, this is how it had to be, okay? Now, I am going to stop right there, okay? And this is going to be a two-part series, okay? Um, we still have one more chapter to read in the book of Titus. And I really hope that you are um, learning from, from this book, okay? Because as I said, this is a book that is not taught often, okay? Because it is overlooked by many others, all right? So I'm going to stop right there, and I really hope that you listen to, um, the part two of this series. All right. Thank you.